Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Let's go to, uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to John chapter 4. Um, I, I want to just kind of give you kind of where we've been. We've been in a series uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 um, called Battle. And we've been talking about the spiritual battle that we're in. And we've been in that since the beginning of 2020. And beginning uh, next week, we're going to start a new series that we're calling Rumors. And the idea is in Matthew 16 when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? So he says, to his disciples in Matthew 16, 13, he says, hey, who do people say that the son of man is? And they say, well, some say Jeremiah or Elijah or John the Baptist. And then he flips it back on them and he says, but who do you say that I am? And then uh, that's kind of the theme verse that we're gonna just build this series because there's actually seven different times in the gospel of John where Jesus self-identifies and says, I am, and you know them, I am the light of the world, I am the vine. We're gonna go through um, the seven different I am statements of Jesus in uh, John leading up to Easter. And it will conclude with on Easter Sunday, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's where we're gonna go. Uh, so spoiler alert, um, that's, that's where it's going starting next week. And we're gonna call that series Rumors. Just came out of battle. Today is a standalone message that for me identifies the why of this transition. Meaning some of you see this transition and some of you go, yeah, let's go. Come on, I like that space. Some of you are like, no, man, I love cafeterias. I wish we were staying here, right? And um, I mean, only two or three of you think that, but... Um, but, but, but we're, we're, we're always, as followers of Jesus, we're always motivated by uh, making a difference in the lives of other people and the why. And I want to talk about that today out of John chapter 4. And so if you've got your Bibles, this will be just one time here. This is a famous text where Jesus has the conversation with the woman at the well. We're going to go there today. I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll break it down, talk about it. John chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 27. Okay, here we go. Jesus, then, uh, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him, meaning Jesus, talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him, toward Jesus. Verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. And here's the phrase, look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps, draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad or another version, joyful together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I wanna to speak to you the subject this morning. Look to the fields. 
Look to the fields. Father, we love you today, and we just thank you for Kansas City, this city that's your city, this city that you love, this city that you've called us to be harvesters in, and in our short lives where we get to reach people and harvest in our generation, we pray that our desires, our needs would become lesser, and that your desires and what you want to do in our generation, in our city, would become more. Father, we ask that you would open up our hearts. Lord, we pray that we would not only receive this word, but I ask, Lord Jesus, that over the years to come, as we make this new space our home, that we would see a great harvest. And today, even on this first day uh, that we have this news, that we get this new space, I ask, Lord Jesus, that we would see a great harvest. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Uh, I don't know if you saw in the back of that video, but right when you walk into that space, there is a picture of wheat. There's a picture of a harvest. There's that great picture when you first walk in. And I, and I really want to just form this message today because as I walked into that space to see if this was a space where we could possibly rent, uh, for me, I just began to even think about some of the things that some of the leaders in our church context have said. So we had Banning, who's one of my dear friends, and he came and spoke. And I don't know if you remember, but as he prayed over the church, he said, I just believe that 2020 is a year of harvest for Radiant Church. And he prayed it enthusiastically. And so then Les Beecham came and he came and spoke. He pastors a church up in Omaha. And he said, hey, as I was praying for your church, I just sensed like the Holy Spirit was speaking that in 2020, Radiant Church, if you guys will labor and be faithful and pray that you'll see 500 people come to know Jesus. And and so that kind of got into my heart and started to just live in there like, okay, God, 2020, year of harvest. And then you walk in and right when you walk in, there's this picture uh, of wheat. And of course, we know that this is Kansas and this is the breadbasket of America. And so we're always, as Kansas, I mean, in the top three states, it's helping feed America. Wheat is all through this state. And so we know that's the reason why they put it up there. But I'm just here to tell you, I, I want to believe for a double meaning. I, I want us to believe that this is a season of harvest for us. I want us to, when we walk in, uh, the church that I served as an associate pastor for 14 years in Colorado, uh, we we spent thousands of dollars on a sign right when you walked in that had the great commission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to uh, obey all that I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you to the end. And then the bottom, it said, Jesus, thousands of dollars right there when you walk in. I'm just telling you, we didn't pay a dime for that. But when you walk in, I want you to just see it. That's the harvest. Like that's what God's called us to do, to see a harvest in Kansas City. I might make like a $7 sign that'll say, you know, to John 4 right there, baby. All right, but, <laughs> but as you walk in, I just want you to see the harvest. Like God's called us to reach this harvest. Dawson and I, uh, when we first moved uh, here and we were looking for potential space, uh, we would sit at the coffee shop that's right there at 135th in Antioch, and we actually went, and, and as we were going to the coffee shop, we saw that space, and it was for sale. And so we went, and we would just prayer walk it, and we would just ask the Lord, God, we just asked that one day, would, could Radiant get this? And of course, in our mind, we're thinking, could we purchase it one day out there somewhere over the rainbow, off in the distant future? And I'm just telling you, God's answering prayer, not in the way that I was thinking it, but then somebody bought it, put millions of dollars to renovate it and make it ready for you, everybody. God works in mysterious ways. Let's just give God a big hand. I think God is at work. I think God is answering our prayers. And right here, Jesus, uh, 
This is where Jesus has his eyes on the harvest. This great story of Jesus engaging in this conversation with the Samaritan woman is where Jesus is fueled with mission. Jesus has his eyes on the harvest and then he commands us disciples. We are present tense disciples to be harvesters. And when I read this text, I think it's interesting because Jesus is, I mean, if I'm a disciple and I'm just trying to take care of Jesus and I go into town to buy Jesus lunch and to bring it back to him, Jesus is pretty strong here in this moment. Like there's some moments where you kind of feel like Jesus is just kind of, you, you, you feel like he's one of the guys and he's friends with his disciples. And there's other moments where you're like, whoa, this guy's intense. This is an intense moment. Here, Jesus, here's some lunch. I have food that you know not of. Uh, what? Uh, did somebody bring him some lunch? Uh, I mean, they're thinking practical. He's talking eternal. They're thinking earthly. He's thinking eternal. They're talking micro lunch, small story. Let's eat now. And when Jesus is talking here, he's talking macro. He's talking eternal. I'm sustained. I'm nourished. I'm fulfilled. I, I, I have contentment in a way that you don't know. I, 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 and then he says, I, I have food. My food is to do the will of my father. My food is to do the work that he sent me to do. It's this language of my food, my, my, what, what sustains me, my nourishment. And this language is, is mission. This language is purpose because here's Jesus. And this Samaritan woman comes out and she's at the well here. And Jesus has just had this conversation with this lady. And here the disciples, they're just, they're just trying to help out. The disciples see the Samaritan woman and it says here that their first thought is, why is he talking to her? And so they see social barrier, Jesus sees harvest. And when we look at even our culture today, it's very easy for us to come up with a social barrier, why we don't engage in conversation with others. But Jesus sees harvest. And though you think, well, but we're in Kansas City and this is the Midwest and there, I mean, surely that we've got, we've got Christian radio stations and we've got Christian billboards and but Jesus wants to invite you not to come up with a reason to pass by, but to see, to open up your eyes. In the world around us, we, we're human beings. We're the ones who always create the social barriers. We're the reason, we're the ones who create class systems and, and certain people talk to certain people. And here in this right here, Jesus, there'll be a great multitude that no one could count, Revelation 7. In every tongue, every tribe and every nation, and so Jesus doesn't create social barriers, we do. Around the throne, we are all equal and he wants worshipers. And so, so when we see social barriers, Jesus is saying, I see harvest. And Jesus sees this lady and Jesus has got mission. He's got, I, 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 I'm, I've got the, the work that God's called me to do. I, I, this, is, this is a moment. And I just want us to just recognize the beauty of if we could get mission and purpose in us, like we see in our savior. We live in a culture that constantly says, just go get lunch, go feed your gut, go take care of you. Just, but Jesus, Jesus lifts it out of the micro story into the macro story, out of earthly into eternal. And he's, and he's on this, I, 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 I feed upon what, what brings me fulfillment, joy. 
It's to do the will of my father. It's to finish the work. I, I, I've, got, I've got food that you know nothing of. I, I've got a lunch that's, that's better than what you just brought me. And, and he's talking about mission. Yesterday, I was hanging out with a man in our church and he began just as we're driving down the road to talk about how the Lord is doing this in his heart. He began to talk about living on less dollars so that he can give more. And he was talking about the decrease of luxuries and how he's grown up in a culture where he thought that's what victory was in life, was to make life more comfortable and make life more fun. But the closer he gets to Jesus as he's been a Christian now for eight years, and he came to Jesus as an adult, 40, he, he's starting to recognize that as he walks closer and closer with Jesus, he's starting to care less about the temporal and more about the eternal. And, and, and it's actually the food. It's actually what brings delight and purpose. And as, we, as we, we, we believe this here at our church so strong that we have four core values that we say, we say, know God and find freedom. And then we put right in here this idea of discovering your purpose. Because when you discover it, you, you no longer see sacrifice for God as the miserable obligation. You look at it as the opportunity to do what you were made for and you come alive with it. And it's something supernatural that God does inside of you because you're about a macro story and lunch feels so small compared to eternal destiny of Jesus, when he, even when he looks at this lady, he, t- he talks to her, but then she goes and she talks to her whole village. It's just sowing a seed. That one conversation leads to her having a conversation and people from the town come and gather around. And I just wanna tell you, you've got an opportunity We've got an opportunity to look to the harvest. And when you just start to just make little decisions based upon purpose and mission, to people around you, they go, seems crazy, seems weird. But to you, you go, ah, my food is to do, is to finish the work. That, that I, I wanna discover my purpose and make a difference. There's something that God's called me to do and it's alive inside of me and I just play a part. I am not the savior, Jesus is the savior. I'm not gonna save Kansas City. I'm just playing my part on a team here at the, the, the local church and, and we, Radiant Church, we're just playing our part with the, all the churches in the city. Jesus, Jesus is at work and I just do my thing. I just do what he's called me to do and it will cause you this moment where Jesus looks at the disciples and it's, it's countercultural. It's kind of like, you'll find yourself doing strange things. You'll find yourself thinking eternally. We had uh, in September, two of the young men who work uh, in our production booth uh, went and just decided to volunteer their time at a conference in Denver. And so they went and they just, they took vacation time and they went to go help a Christian conference in Denver. And they just went to go serve in lighting and audio, and, and then it ended on Saturday night in Denver. And we load in here at 6 a.m. And they were at the 6 a.m. huddle the next day because they drove through the night to be here. And I didn't know they were gonna do that. I saw them at the, there at the conference. And then when you question them about it, it's not even, I mean, you could say, hey, you guys, are, you're in Colorado. Hey, go enjoy the mountains, go, go camp, go hike, go do something. But here's what's going on inside of them. Two guys, not, not driven by applause, not driven by an award, not driven, driven by this. No, no, no. Every Sunday we're, we're playing a part and 
man, in 2019, we saw 305 people come to know Jesus and 52 people baptized. And, and you know what? We are the ones that put the lights up in the back. And we just play our role. And so we don't come up here and preach Isaiah 54 like Rachel Dorinsky, but we make sure the light is right there so that it works, right? Play a part, play my role. But that is weird behavior. You young man, you're an American kid. Go hang out in Colorado a little bit. Mm, 26 year old American kid goes, no, no, I'm driving through the night. Here's what I want you. It's, it's strange. But you know what it is? It's, ah, in this context, I have sleep you know not of. <laughs> right? Mm. Something's driving me. So, and, 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 it's, and I want to invite you just to see people. Jesus, Jesus is driven by purpose. Jesus is on mission. And he sees people. He's motivated. He sees people. And it's easy for you and me to just, to just, to just have our eyes on us. But you have Every single one of us, Paul makes it really clear that all of us have spiritual gifts. I mean, he, he, he talks about it like a body. Some are hands, some are feet. But everybody plays their part. And Peter talks about it in terms of like a house, like we're, like we're stones making up the house. But it's that we're all the body of Christ making a difference. We're all the body of Christ doing something. And I just want you to just get like really resolved. This is why we, we, we do this in Know God, Find From, Discover Purpose. And then that next steps in our step two course, it's all about you discovering your purpose. It's you looking at spiritual gifts and, and identifying, working on it. Not that it can happen in a class, it's a lifetime process, but going on that journey of resolve. It's something that we're really, we're really focused on because you've got, you've got purpose. There's, there's something that when you do it, man, that's what God made you for. You come alive doing it. Psalm 139, David says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I just want you to take the context of Peter and Paul talking about the body of Christ and that we all play a part. David in Psalm 139 saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I just want you to get the idea, you are made by God for a purpose. And there is something that when you do that, you're a 10 at something. And we just want to help you discover what that is. Because when you do that, you will come alive. Uh, like my wife, Renata, she is a 10 at loving and taking care of little kids. Like she's just a 10. She's, she's not an eight. She's not a seven. She is a 10. We had a lot of company come over on Thursday night and Renata and I saw having all these people over to our house in different ways, right? Because she started to talk about what are the kids going to do? And she created a kid's craft. She created a kid's movie. She wanted to talk about what the kids were going to eat. She wanted to make sure that the kids had gluten-free noodles with a sign that made the moms feel comfortable, gluten-free, Right? She, she was thinking through that whole, that whole process. Where are they going to be? Are they, is, is the temperature going to rise? Should we get a room heater because it was cold that day for the children? You know what? I saw nothing. Oh, all I see is my buds are coming over. What's up? Right? Like she just sees it. So she's back there in the service with your kids, not just because she's the pastor's wife and somebody's got to do it. Although, no, just kidding. But <laughs> that's not true. Delete that. All right. But she actually loves it. Caused her to come alive. Most of us are like, no, I love my kids. And that's about it, right? That's where most people live. But not Renata. She's a 10. Right back here, we've got David Zhang. He's 19 years old. He works in the sound booth. He's an audio engineer. He's only 19. He is a 10 at audio, right? He's back there. Waka, 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 
waka waka. I mean, like, if he gets mad at me, papa. I mean, he knows how to, he's, he's brilliant. He knows what to do. He, he is a 10. Paul Barker, I don't know if you know Paul yet. Paul is the second nicest person in America. Uh, I, I only say second because I'm confident there's got to be somebody nicer. I just don't know them, but, but don't want to just claim that. But I think Paul, he's, he's a level 10, he is a 10 greeter. If you talk to him, he's like, welcome, you know, like a hi. Like, there's not a nicer man. I mean, you can be like, Paul, you're crazy. And he's like, ah, like he just, he is so nice. He's the nicest. He's a 10. Here's my point. You're a 10 at something. And I just want to encourage you, when you discover that, some of the, some of the pain, the frustration, the irritation of just living for me in a materialistic, narcissistic culture that's just all about self, you'd be surprised how much you discover. God, God wired me this way. God created me this way. You can't be a 10 at everything, but there are some things that supernaturally God wired you, created you to do. And when you do that, you just... You come alive and you go, I, I, just, I just love it. And people think it's strange. Like, why, why are you so committed? Why are you so in? And you go, this is, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm wired to do. I've got Marie and Deborah sitting right here in the front row. These guys love the nations. Like, they're like, they're, they'll jump on airplanes. They'll go all over the world and they'll preach the gospel. All, and they'll take their, I mean, all of their kids have passports. And they're just like, they're sacrificing big things to take the gospel. to the, And other people go, whoa, you should consider a white picket fence. And they're like, ah, I have fences you know not of. Right? Okay. You with me? Here's, here's, here's my point. I, I, this could go all day. I make it stuff up. We got to keep moving. But you get the point. I just want you to identify that. I just want you to identify that then, because then when you do that thing, when you do, it, it's this thing that is in Christ, you as a part of Christ, his body, you'll be surprised. Relationship with God, close to him, and then you just start to go, ah. And you turn into just as, just as wild as it is that Jesus looks at his disciples and makes this countercultural statement. And the, other, the other piece that I see here is the way that Jesus loves people. Like, right in front of him, people. Like, not like just kind of theoretical out there somewhere. Philosophically, we have a banner on the wall. Love God, love people, change the world. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm talking about where you see people right in front of you in the present tense, in your life, in the cubicle next to you. As you're, I mean, and you're actually intentional about loving the people around you. Jesus, Jesus sees the broken, the hurting. He's constantly taking these outsiders and making them insiders. Jesus looks at the children and when, When the disciples look at the children and they say, push them away, Jesus rebukes them and says, suffer the little children, let them come unto me, right? Let's bring them close. Uh, Jesus brings them close. Jesus does that with the blind. You see that with blind Bartimaeus? Others, be quiet, blind man, and he's rebuked, and Jesus is irritated with the people that are trying to silence the blind, and Jesus stops and says, call him, bring him to me. Jesus does it with Zacchaeus, everybody else just passing by, Another, another tax collector. Jesus sees the wee little man in the tree and Jesus catches, hey, I'm coming to your house. He sees him. <coughs> Listen, as we go into this new space, I wanna invite you not just to have, mm, I have food that you know not of. I, I want you to start to just ask the Lord, who are the people he's invited you to see? Jesus sees this Samaritan woman and this would have been culturally, Culturally, a man would not talk to a woman. Culturally, the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. That's why the disciples walked up and they were surprised. 
but Jesus is thinking eternally and Jesus sees present tense people in front of him. And just like he saw those others, he sees her. And I want you just to know that as you see other people, don't just give that to the, don't just give that to the seven on the Enneagram. You know, like that's someone with a different personality. You can just start a conversation. No, 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 you're a harvester. No, no, you see the people and go, I need supernatural strength and grace to be what Jesus has called me to be. See them. It's gonna take labor. I mean, it, harvesting is labor. It, it depending on, we, we see everything through a, 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 a context. And so for me, when I, I mean, just this confession, when I look at here and I'm studying this and I'm studying first century harvest talk, I'm realizing that for them, harvest talk meant labor. That's not what I first think of when I think of harvest. I'm a pastor's kid. Then I became a pastor. I have kids at my house. I'm constantly living as a dad. When I first thought, what do I think of when I first think of harvest? I think of a Halloween alternative harvest party, like that's what I think of. I think of like, hey, let's open up a barn and throw a party. I think of like, hey, we can't trick or treat, so let's bob for apples. Like that's my, so, so, so that's kind of what goes, and all of us have different things that go through our brain. But here, I want you to see this. Don't think party, don't think feast. Get a first century context when Jesus is saying harvest, it's work. It's labor. It's, this is stopping to see people engage a conversation with people, going on airplanes, this work, right? Like that's, that's part of what we're called to do. That's part of who we are. And so I just want you to see Jesus. He's got mission. He's got people. And I just want you to just begin to ask what it looks like for you to see people. And God, open up my eyes. And Jesus says here, open your eyes to the harvest. See them. And, 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 and what if instead of delaying it or, or giving that to somebody else, if you just start to say, okay, God, who are the people in my world? Like, what could it look like? I think sometimes we delay it and, and we're just waiting and we don't even know what we're waiting for. We think we're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us. He's like, come on, I've put that person in your path. Um, I, I, anybody here like a board gamer? You know, like you like board games. I know that's kind of a, I, I'm one of those people that like if board games annoy me when people take a long time on their turn. Um, I don't know what it is about my personality, but the whole context of board, I'm a competitive person. So in that sense, I like board games, but I like things like basketball where I can kind of create the speed. But when I'm waiting on somebody else, I got to tell you, I have to go join a Find Freedom small group because I get so annoyed and angry. You know, like what is your deal, Right? I'm just bugged, like, come on, go, it's your turn, just go. And sometimes I think that many of us, we're just waiting, taking so long, and God's going, come on, let's go, come on, let's go. Like, now, now, come on, the harvest is ripe. I said that over and over again in that video, but the harvest field's being ripe for revival. So stop delaying and go present tense. Who are the people? I'm on mission. I've discovered my purpose. I know. And, 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 I, and I see real people. And yeah, it's labor, of course. It's work. It's not a party. I mean, I love a party. But, 
But there will be many of you that you have a new party. Old party was, hey, let's go out. Let's just hang on Friday nights. And that's the thing that brings you the most joy. Okay, here's what happens. You start to get driven by eternity, driven by purpose, driven by mission where you see people. And over time, you have a bigger celebration on the inside. Like there was a lady that came to me today and said, I brought my friend and she's just alive. I brought my friend to church. Now, think about that. Hmm? What? No, I'm driven by what lasts forever. I'm, I'm driven by eternity, right? So instead of just being, oh, I'm driven by a good time, you start to go, you know what I care about? Like, I care about that person who's seated at Radiant on Sunday. And when David says, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you're just like right there in that moment going, this is it. And instead of thinking about, this is my moment to sneak out to my car and make sure I get a little earlier lunch, you're thinking, I care about this harvest right here this moment. Kind of opening up. You have permission. I know in old school church, you're supposed to always have your eyes closed when you pray, not in this church. Keep them open. Hmm. Hmm. Why? Man, let's just, let's just pray for these people. Let's see a harvest. And then there's this little celebration. Ah, God, that's what, that's what I'm dreaming about. I'm dreaming. I love one of my heroes and one of my friends, Dick Eastman. He's 77 years old. And he starts every sermon with, uh, who, who wants to go to heaven? Everybody goes, oh, I do. And then he goes, how many of you want to take a lot of people with you? Right? And when we get that in us, in this new space, we're not here just for us. Oh, it's going to be a great time. There's going to be moments in this new space. I got this dream where we're worshiping and the presence of God is so strong. And suddenly out of nowhere, there's revelation from the scripture. Oh God, let it be. I mean, I've got dreams of new relationships happening in that space. All those things and dreams of thousands of people coming to know Jesus. There's a harvest. And you walk in and you just see that mural. You see the harvest. And yeah, it's the state of Kansas, but it's the Lord just giving us this little like, mm, harvest time. It's to look, look to the fields, not, not just on me, not just my needs, my desires, but I got, I got my eyes on other people. And I just love the way that this, this lady, she goes back and look at all the people she brings to Jesus. She goes back to her town and then she says, come see this man who told me everything I ever did. I just see three things in that. I see her going back to her circle of influence, her town. That's what I wanna invite you to do. It's not, it's, not, it's not 500 people, but you know two or three people. It's maybe not thousands, but you're intentional about, I carry, I want, I want them to be a part of the harvest in this city. And then she says, come and see. Most of the time when we think about, about evangelism or we think about people coming to know Jesus, we just think the Great Commission, right? And that's go and tell. And I love go and tell. It's both and. We do go and tell. But in this story, it's just come and see. And you know what's interesting about this woman is it's, she didn't go through any cl next steps classes, right? She had not been through a 13-week freedom small group to get delivered. And she has some issues, but she just, in her brokenness, in her immediate pain, her immediate mess, she goes back and she's overflowing. Come and see. And I just think for us, we need more of that. 
Come and see. You do the go and tell, but come and see. Come on. Come to my prayer meeting. Come on. Come to our small group at my house. Come to the prayer meeting at Tomahawk Ridge Community Center. Hey, come and see. Jesus is at work. God is doing something. And every context is different. Some of them, it's, hey, it's Saturday night, and here we are. We've got a group of people talking about theology, and we, they've been followers of Jesus with Josh Farmer for 20 years, and God is at work. And sometimes it's just guys playing basketball, but they've got the fruit of the Spirit instead of the fruit of the flesh as they play. And Lord Jesus, let that happen, right? And it's just a step. Come and see. God is at work. There's, there's supernatural activity going on. Just come and see. And then the third part I just love is she just comes in and she says, this man who tells me everything I've ever done. It's her story. No doubt about it. It took courage. She was surely an outcast. Surely that's the reason why she's there at noon instead of there early in the morning. Surely she's there alone because she's an outcast. I think it took courage to go back. Just like it'll take courage for you to be a witness, to be a harvester, but harvesting is part of what it means to be a Christian. Oh, no. David, don't say that. No, it just is. But here's the deal. You're going at it wrong. If you hear that and you go, no. Reframe. Good news of the gospel. Whenever there's good news, you want to tell it. Whenever there, Think of it as overflowing with good news rather than miserable obligation to try to be good. I can't help but tell. This woman was like, come and see this man. It was delight, not duty. It was, ah, oh, you need him too. And when you're in a place where you go, I have found Jesus. I have found freedom. I have found purpose. I have found mission. I have found prayer. I have found God. I have found friendships. It's just a come and see. This is my story. And when you tell your story, that's your hinge. That's your opportunity to leverage that to influence people. Like a lot of you have asked me, why, why is such a big deal about teenagers? I feel like we're kind of like going a little overboard on the teenager thing. Why, why are we putting time and attention so much on teenagers at Radiant Church? I'll tell you why. It's me. Because I was a 12-year-old. That, was, that hated life. I was bullied and miserable. <sighs> That's my story. I found Jesus when I was 12. And man, till my dying day, I'm like, come on. Let's go rescue them. Let's go find them at the well. Let's go find those kids. Let's go help them. Every single one of you, you've got a story. You've got a story. And there's redemption to it. You've got something you were addicted to. You've got, maybe it's not an age group, maybe it's a region of the city. And when you pray, that's the, you care about that. It's usually the Lord will use the very place that he's rescued you, that he saved you. And my dream is that this wouldn't be about the skills of a few on a stage, but that Radiant Church is about all of you going into the city. And whether you're leading a team, leading a small group, prayer walking, whatever you're doing, that we're out, sin is about us. Look, open your eyes. Look to the fields. It's now. Don't wait. It's our turn. Now. This is, 
It's our turn. It's our turn to point Kansas City to Jesus. Let's not waste it. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, today, we look to the fields and we want to be faithful. We want to, we want to harvest in our city, in our generation. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to live on mission. Have your way. We need you. God, on our own, we will fall so short. We don't have enough grit and resolve to live supernatural evangelistic lives. We need you. And we pray that you would give us wisdom and revelation that we could see like you see. We pray, Lord Jesus, as we go to this new space, we pray, Lord Jesus, for a great harvest. We love you. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just want to encourage you just to pray this prayer. This isn't the only prayer that you need to pray, but this is a good starting point. You can begin a journey with Jesus just right now. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. Save me, heal me, and change me. Give me a fresh start. I don't want to go my way, I go your way. I want to be with you forever. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's all stand together. If you just prayed that prayer, we as a church, we're committed to you. We want to help you go on the journey with Jesus. And I'd like to invite you, if you would, just on your seat, there's a card. And if you wouldn't mind just filling that out and just telling us there, just there's a box where you can just tell us you made a decision to follow Jesus. And we'll be in touch with you this week. We want to help you be resourced, create relationships, friendships that can help you on the journey. And uh, we'll be in touch with you this week, help you as, you as you go on that journey with Jesus. Hey, everybody, I just want to thank you. Uh, it's really, it's really amazing the miracle that we're on and I'm grateful to every single one of you thanks for your faithfulness and giving that's helping us to make this step and I just love the way that it happened I love the way that the Lord just quickly just bam I mean it was just quick just boom there it is and, uh, and I'm just so grateful for you so let's pray, just pray over our offering we'll sing this last song together and then I'll dismiss you Father we thank you Lord Jesus for what you're doing in our city and we, we, we give gladly and joyfully today God, we are so grateful. We're a grateful people. God, you are creating something beautiful. You're at work in Kansas City and local churches all over the city. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this one. We thank you that you've started Radiant. You're at work at Radiant. We pray your kingdom come. Now take what we give, God. Use it to make a difference here in Kansas City with teenagers this summer. Got to make a difference to plant churches all across the world. We love you. In Jesus' name, let's sing this together.